Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. We covered a wide swath last Sunday morning as we looked from chapter 10, the end of chapter 10, all the way through chapter number 11. Uh, just that one point uh, was uh, sticking out to me and, and that I wanted to get across. Uh, and that is the fact that there are no sins recorded there in chapter 11. I love that. Um, as God tells their story of their faithfulness, their sin is not mentioned. It is washed uh, in Christ Jesus. We come to chapter 12. And Paul ends, we, we call chapter 11 that, that great hall of faith. Paul ends that hall of faith with the one that we are looking to. Our, not only our example, but our Savior and our God. He says here in verse 1, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily, so easily, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. I'm mixing my words up there. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In chapter 11, we're giving examples. In chapter 12, we're giving the one that we are to fix our eyes on and do not remove them. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue on today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your great grace. We thank you, Father, for this and other time that we can come into your house. We're so thankful, Father, for each one, each soul that was able to make it here this day, spend this time in service together. We pray that you'd help us, Father, that we might honor your name, that we might worship you this day in spirit and in truth. Father, forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. Father, there are many times that we fail you and ever draw us closer to you, Father, as we walk in this life, as we seek, Father, to do your will, as we desire to be obedient servants to your name. We pray that you would help us, draw us unto yourself. Help us, Father, that our eyes would stay fixed upon our Lord. That we might walk as you'd have us to walk. That we might serve as you'd have us to serve. That we might love you. Father, as you've called us to love you. Father, go with us as we look at this passage of Scripture today. We pray that you'd open it before us. That you'd give us understanding of these things, Father. And application for our own lives. That we might know how to serve you all the more. Father, bless again the meaning that we have on our prayer list. Both sick and spiritual needs, Father. 
especially those that are lost and undone without you. We pray, Father, for your grace to be poured out upon them. It is our desire to see salvation in their lives, and yet we know that that salvation can only come from you. That it is your work that you've performed, not only for us, but you're the one that makes it manifest in us. And so, Father, we just pray that you would bless in this situation, Father, these many that are in need of your grace. Help us to be witnesses to them, Father, as we need to be. Help us always be ready, Father, with the answers concerning the gospel of Christ Jesus, our Lord, before them. We might be witnesses like we ought to be. And, Father, we just pray that your word might take root in their hearts, that your spirit would move on them, Father, and reveal unto them Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, go with us now as we look to your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Paul here, he, chapter number 11, he gives that, again that hall of faith. And he finishes that discourse here with Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, the author, finisher of our faith, the giver, the captain, the sustainer, the perfecter of faith. No more fitting subject could be used uh, in, in describing the, the reality of our faith. And in this text, Paul tells us of a race that we are to run. And how we should run such a race as this. And he begins here by describing this so great a cloud of witnesses. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And, and that, that word wherefore takes us back to chapter number 10. Verse 35 and verse 36. Notice what he says there. Verse 35 and verse 36. Chapter 10. He says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Wherefore, takes us back to that right there, that, that, that we're not to be weary in well-doing, that we're not to lose hope, that we're not to, not to lose patience in our walk and our service to the Lord, but that, that we are, as the children of God, we are going to receive the promise. That promise will be fulfilled. Amen. And then he goes in chapter 11 and he describes all these examples of faith from the Old Testament saying they never saw the promise. They, they knew it was coming though. They believed God for it. And they continued faithful. As I said last week, we can go back and we can look at their stories and we can look at, look at, look at the, the, all that's recorded for us in the Old Testament regarding them and, and we can see all their failures and we become fixed on those failures. Don't we? I mean, that's what we become fixed on. Oh, that silly Abraham. Oh, that silly Lot. Oh, that silly David. And we, we, see, we see their sins, we see their failures, and we, we can fixate on those realities. But, but God doesn't bring any of that up. He doesn't bring any of that up here in chapter 11. Rather, He brings up their faith that they continued 
in their failures, in their successes, in their walk of life, in the race that they ran, they continued believing. They continued looking for that promise to come. And all these Old Testament saints that he makes mention of here went through never having received the promise, never seeing it fulfilled, and yet their faith remained. Their faith remained. Now we, we look back on that promise. It's fulfilled in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what Paul's telling us there in, in verse number 2, that we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The promise has come. He's fulfilled exactly what these Old Testament saints were looking for. The faith is now realized in Christ, in His coming, in Him and Him doing what He said He was going to do, and dying on the cross for us, being that sacrifice for us, the, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we might have our sins forgiven, that we might have eternal life in Him. And so now we look back to our Savior. Or rather, looking back is not, is, is not where we look back to His finished work, but really we're looking on Him. We're looking on Him. Because yes, He's gone from our physical sight, but He's right here with us. Amen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so Paul says, don't be, don't be weary in well-doing. You're, you're going to receive the promise. And so after he gives this long list here in chapter 11 of the faithfulness, those examples of faithfulness of the children of God in the Old Testament times, here he comes. Now, seeing this, verse number 1 again, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's keep going. Let's run the race. He said, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We're in a race. We're in a race. And I'm not very good at running. We're in a race. And he says, lay aside every weight. Now he's using this illustration of a runner in a competition. To run the race... He is speaking of we must be shed of all the excess that this world has to offer. If we're going to run as God has called us to run, we can't be bound down by the weights of this world. Weights, uh, that word weights in the Greek is the word for tumor or swelling. A tumor or a swelling. A weight then is something which we are at liberty to cast aside, but which instead we choose to hold on to. 
And we, Paul says, if you've got those weights, you've got a weight you're holding on to. If you're, you're holding on to some portion of this world, if there's something in this world that in some way has you bound, cast that thing off so you can run. Cast that weight aside so that you can run the race that God has given for you to run. Weight is all that external that is around us. All the stuff that burdens us down. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24. Matthew 16 and verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man shall come after Me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow Me. That's that casting off of those weights. That's laying those weights aside. That, that dying to self. That, that, that uh, taking up the cross. That, that denying oneself. There He says in Verse 24, that we, might, that we might run in His power to deny ourselves. Paul says in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 13, Romans 8 and verse 13, Romans 8.13 For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Mortify. That means to kill. To kill the deeds of the body. That's, that's exactly what Paul is in reference here to it, of laying aside those weights here. Put to death those things that hold us down. Put to death those things that bind us in this world. That we might not be bound in any way in our service to the Lord, but that we might run without being cumbered down by these things that we're holding on to. These things that we're trying to carry along with us. Lay aside every weight, he says. First Peter chapter 2. Peter says there in verse number 11, 1 Peter 2 and verse 11. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims of stain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. We've got a lot of things in our lives that are warring against our souls, and instead of casting them off, for some reason we want to hang on to them. Instead of laying them aside, for some reason we want to drag them along with us. He says, cast off those weights. Anything that would take us away from our service to the Lord, anything that would weigh us down, must be cast off. And we not be bound to this world. The longer a child of God runs, 
this race, the more conscious he becomes of those weights. And the longer he runs those that runs the race, and the more of those weights he becomes conscious of that are binding him and weighing him down, the more the child of God desires to be rid of those weights that he can run. Oh, God would help us to see the weights, to see the weights in our lives. Each one must determine what are these weights? What are these weights that are encumbering me? What are these weights that are slowing me down? What are these weights that are keeping me from running? We have to remember a bag of lead is just as heavy as a bag of gold. What's holding us back? What weight are we carrying? He says, lay aside those weights and the sin, the sin which does so easily beset us. The sin which does so easily beset us. That word Greek, the, the, the word for beset us is the Greek word encompass us. It's that indwelling corruption and perversion that rest in the heart of men. Particularly unbelief, as the text is speaking to us about. Particularly our unbelief. Those sins we've allowed a place in our lives and how it can at times seem we're buried by our own failures, our own sins, our own shortcomings. We cannot run the race that God has given us when we are holding on to the sins of this world. When we're trying to give place in our lives for wickedness, give place for the lust of our flesh, give place for unbelief in us, when we're giving place for those kind of sins in us, harboring uh, evil thoughts, harboring wickedness, harboring that, that unforgiveness in our hearts, if we're going to hold on to sins that should be put off us, they've been forgiven by our Lord, they've been washed from us in His, in His blood, why in the world do we want to hang on to those things? And yet it's, it's like we continually are grabbing after them. Paul says, lay those things aside. Lay those things aside which burden you down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 22. Ephesians 4, verse 22. Paul says here that ye put off You put off concerning the former conversation. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful 
lust. Put off that old man. It's a, I, I like how, uh, I, I think I was listening to John MacArthur, and he was describing that, that example there of what that's in reference to, the new man and the old man. One of the, one of the punishments, uh, particularly in Rome, that they would do for a, a murderer is they would take the body of the victim and tie it to the murderer. And he'd have to carry that dead body on his back. Wherever he went, whatever he was doing, wherever he was going, he was carrying that dead body on his back. And eventually the the rotting of the flesh that was on him would infect the killer's body themselves and they would die from that, that punishment that was inflicted upon them, being bound to that dead corpse. That's exactly what Paul's in reference here to. Is that the the new man and the old man, and he speaks of there in Romans chapter 7, he describes that warfare that's going on there between them. We're we're holding on in the dead and the the old man, that that old dead flesh, we're hanging on to that in our walk for our Lord as we're trying to run a race for him. We're we keep we keep falling back into the old man. We keep trying to hang on to those things with that old man, and it's dead. It's dead in trespasses and sins. We are made alive spiritually in Christ Jesus. This old flesh is still dead. It's still dead. Why in the world do we want to keep dragging around? Dragging around that old man. Mortify the deeds of the flesh, he says. Put, put to death these things of this, this old, old flesh. Put to death the things of this world. And run. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Notice what Paul says in Romans 6 here. Romans 6 verse number 11. Verse number 12. He says, likewise reckon ye also yourselves. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Indwelling sin is to be laid aside. And it's laid aside by daily mortification. By daily dying to self. A daily dying to this flesh. And I'm not going to live after it. I'm not going to serve it. I'm not going to, fight, I'm not going to feed it the things it needs to, to continue on. But rather I'm going to kill that desire, I'm going to kill that, that want of the flesh and live unto Christ. That's, that is what we have to daily die to self and live unto Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, he says in verse 13, Romans eight thirteen. he says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds 
of the body ye shall live. Do mortify the deeds of the body ye shall live. By grace, by grace we are to resist the temptations of this world that come before us. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Paul says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, to den- that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. By repenting, by confessing, by forsaking the sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience, he says. Let us run with patience. The race is not a race of speed, but it is a race of discipline. It's a race of perseverance. Now, the race, the race, this endurance run that we are on, no matter what, we're to continue to run. It's the same same mindset that Paul is speaking to there in, in uh, Ephesians chapter number 6 when he speaks there about the warfare that we are fighting in against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness that he describes there in chapter number 6. The reality is that the life, the service of the child of God is ever continual. That, that fight that we are in, we are ever fighting. There's, there's not a place that we are, we are taken out of the fight. There's not a place where we can say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm a little tired today of fighting against the spiritual darkness in, in high places. I'm a little tired today fighting against all this wickedness. I, I just need to set aside for a little while and rest. No. We're always in the battle. We're to be we're to be fighting. And same thing with the race. There's never a time where we're going along on the race and we say, well, I'm just tired of running. I think I need to sit down and rest a while. You remember what happened to the bunny rabbit that raced the turtle, don't you, when he decided he's gonna rest a while? He got beat by the turtle. And so the the reality is we we're to run. The race is before us. We're to run till we get to the finish line. We don't want to hear those words that Paul spoke to the Galatians there in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 7, when he said, Ye did run well. And he goes on to say, What happened to you? We don't want to hear, Ye did run well. We want to hear, You run well. You run well. That we're in a race and we can't stop running till we get to the end. We have to continue running. We have to continue going. We have to continue serving our Lord. Continuing faithful 
run this race with patience. Here's how we know it's a, a race of perseverance because it requires patience. It's not a sprint. It ain't even a marathon. <laughs> it's a lifelong run. It's a lifelong run. And we have to be running. There's too much desire in the children of God to relax. There's too much desire in the children of God to hang on to this world. There's too much desire in the children of God. I just don't want, I just don't feel like doing that today. We have to run. Race is set before us. If the Lord Jesus has redeemed you unto Himself, if you are born again this morning, you're already running. Have you slowed down? Have you stopped by the wayside? Are you resting under a tree somewhere? You're fiddling with your stuff. Making sure you got it all. Instead of laying it aside and running. Run. Run. You're in a race. It's not stopped. Have you? Run the race with patience. Run the race with patience. It's set before you. There's a path already there. The course is already laid out because it is the course of our Lord Jesus. That's the reason Paul goes on to say there in verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author. He's already run the race. We're following Him. We're following Him. Run the race with patience. A.W. Pink said uh, this concerning this passage, concerning this race. He says, Many erroneously suppose they would make much more progress spiritually if only their circumstances were altered. Oh, if I just had different things happen in my life. If it it wasn't this way, but rather this way, I could have done so much better in the service of my Lord. Many erroneously suppose they would make much more progress spiritually if only their circumstances were altered. This is a serious mistake. And a murmuring against God's providential dealings with us. He shapes our circumstances. By the way, he's A.W. Pink in his writing this, he puts circumstances in quotations. 
Why does he do that? Because there are no circumstances. He shapes our circumstances as a helpful discipline to the soul. And only as we learn to rise above circumstances and walk with God in them are we running the race that is set before us. The person is the same no matter what circumstances he may be in. Might I add, the race is the same no matter what circumstances we may be in. We are still to run. To run. No matter what we're facing. No matter what we're going, no matter what difficulty lies before us, no matter what struggle, no matter what trial, no matter what temptation, whatever is there, we are still running. Run. Run. The race that is set before us. An important point we must consider in this race is the fact that it is set. Now we don't know the obstacles along the way. We don't know the length of it. We don't know the hills or the straight stretches. We all have a race. A course to complete. And it is the track that the Master has set before us. He is sovereign in every part of our lives. In the blessings and in the trials. in the wonders and in the hurts. He is sovereign over it all. And He uses everything that He has allowed or has brought into our lives to make us what He would have us to be. And we are to continue to run. As Pink said, we erroneously suppose that if our circumstances were changed, we'd be able to do more, run better, run harder. And we, we all do. We all think that way. And especially when we are in the middle of a trial, when we're in the middle of a sorrow, when we're in the middle of of a defeat, when we're in the middle of of the struggles of this life, it's hard to run when so much of our attention is focused on that thing. It's hard to run. 
Because the thing, whatever it is, whatever the struggle is, whatever the, the trial is that's been put before us, whatever it is, it's there. It's not being taken away. It's continuing. It's what He's allowed. It's what He's put in our path. Now we don't, we don't understand it. It's hard for us maybe to grasp. It's hard for us to understand it. But it's not too hard for my Lord. Let me just be clear to you. Every trial, every struggle, every temptation, every heartache, you cannot handle. You cannot handle. You're not strong enough. But my Lord is. My Lord is. He says, without me, you can do nothing. That means nothing. There is, there is nothing that comes our way. There is nothing in this race that we can do on our own. We have to have our Lord. And so in that daily dying to self, there is a daily grabbing on to our Savior. Lord, I need You today. Lord, I need You right now. Lord, I, I can't do this without You. There is a daily necessity for us as the children of God to grab onto our Lord and not let go. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's how we need to hang on. That's how we need to hang on. The race that is set before us, no matter the trial, no matter the struggle, it's set. We don't know it all. We don't know all the hills. We don't know all the curves. We don't know all the, the pitfalls. We don't know all of those things our Lord does. And He has blazed the trail before us. Hold on to Him. Run that race. And when it's most difficult to run, when it's so hard, it seems, to keep our minds and our hearts focused on that race, run. Keep. Keep running. Holding on to the Lord. Because He knows all the curves. He knows all the hills. 
He knows everything that He's set before us on that course. And instead of trying to find your own path, submit yourself to Him. And say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do it your way. Lord, I'm, I'm going to run your race. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to run your way. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 10. Paul is describing here our salvation and how it is brought to us. He begins the passage, we were dead in trespasses and sins. And he goes to verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Ye are saved. And then He says in verse number 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then He says in verse 10, For we are His workmanship. I love that word. It's the Greek word poemia. It's where we get our word for poem. Or his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He has saved us to do righteousness. He has saved us to be holy. So he says here that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which by the way, without Christ, we don't have anything good in us. The good that we have now is Christ Jesus. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus of two good works. Notice this, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's your course. There's your course. God's got it all set. Just to help you along. When we come to those pitfalls, we come to those struggles, we come to those trials, there's not a one of them that's a surprise to God. They might be a surprise to you, but He has foreordained those good works. He is sovereign over every aspect of our lives. He knows what He will allow. He knows what He will protect us from. He knows what He is going to bring into our lives. And it is by Him, by Him, that we have the victory. It is by Him that we continue to run. It is by Him 
by Him that we do the works that He has set for us to do. By Him. He hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, He's ordained them. We're going to walk in them. We're going to walk in them. Run. Run the race. Lay aside those weights. Lay aside that sin which does so easily beset you and run. Run. It's all stand. Brother Gordon, did you bring us a song?